From out of the long box and into your ears, it's Matt and Brett Love Comics, the show where we dig into the comics that we love with our friends uh, and talk about what we loved about them. Because we love comics. Because we love comics. It's in the name. I'm Matt Little. I'm Brett White. And uh, we are, today, we are reading a very, very fun book. Um, very fun book, and it's, uh, it's tertiary counterpart. Uh, to th- th- that that's fair enough, right? Uh, that was a counter- great way to say yeah, it. Ter- yeah, oh, thank you. Turtle Tertiary <laughs> counterpart. Yeah. <laughs> My yeah. tertiary. Yeah, uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, Deadpool 11 and Amazing Spider-Man issue 47. That's uh, volume 1, issue 47. This is not a, a JMS issue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, P.S. Um, <laughs> one more day. One more. Oh, if we had one more day with this book. <laughs> uh, we are joined by a very funny actor and comedian. Uh, you can see him all around New York City. He performs monthly at uh, with The Prom at uh, UCB's Mod Night. Boy, we get a lot of sketch actors and writers yeah. in here. But they've got a lot of great stuff to say. I don't know. I think their time is done after this. <laughs> wow! Way to draw a line in the stand before the episode starts. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm really uh, excited to do this episode. Though. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Hartney. Hey, guys. Yeah, How's it going, man? Hey, audience I'm class. good. Thanks for having me. Uh, of course. Of you course. also might recognize him from a commercial with Michael Jordan. Uh, you, might, you might recognize me from that. Yeah, yeah. you have a Haynes commercial right now where yeah. you're barbecuing and Michael I'm Jordan. A, and yeah, the... I'm a put upon grill master. <laughs> was that what it? Was that what your? Uh... Oh, Mike Roll's name, Grillmaster. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I feel like that deserves a spinoff. Yeah, Grillmaster. Yeah, it should be a series of national spots that run during NFL games. Uh, yeah, Haynes uh, presents the Grillmaster. Yeah, like thirty-five thousand of them. And yeah, then I never have to work ever again. I so, have you touched nice. Michael Jordan? Like repeatedly. Really? <laughs> there were certain takes. There were certain takes where they're like, so pat him on the shoulder when you, when you thank him this time. But Michael Jordan was not part of the conversation. Oh. So I'm like, oh, so when he approaches me, I'm going to touch him and he won't know. (laughs) And the first time I touched his shoulder, he definitely was like, whoa. (laughs) So then there's another series of takes where they're like, you know, this time when you thank him, just pat him on the chest. Oh, what? yeah, sure. You know, like no bros do yeah. when they thank each other. I'm like, pat on the... What? And of course I had, to, like, chest. <laughs> I had to like jump up, like smack it. What, is that, what does that feel like? Is he still rock it, hard? I mean, <laughs> it was spread? like... It was like hitting a statue. It was amazing. That's gotta be... I can't like... Your life prior to touching Michael Jordan, and then all of a sudden you're realizing, oh, my life is not going to have a post-touching Michael Jordan face. Right. I feel like the the anticipation toward before the shoulder pat, like in my head, I would be flipping out. Yeah. Like, no, it was I'm, it was a lot. Pat him on the chest, and then maybe just let your hand linger there and see yeah. how he reacts. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it's never getting that hand back. Tell you that much. It's 2012. Yeah. Looking at like. It is 2012. The Hanes, these Haynes commercials need to get a little bit more... I will say, it concluded in a vice-like, crushing grip handshake. Really? It was amazing. Yeah? Amazing. So he has like, like a steel vice He's like, good, good job. Nice. A little shake. Yeah. And I was just like, all right. Those all hands right. have won a gold medal. Life is different now. I'm living in a... 
AD <laughs> after DeMichael Jordan. Did, yeah, that works. works. His full name, DeMichael Jordan. DeMichael Jordan. <laughs> DeMichael Jordan. I keep almost saying Michael Jackson. You which... know there are definitely like a bunch of kids in like middle school right now named DeMichael Jordan. Oh, probably. <laughs> yeah. Let's just do a Google search. Well, like, let's face it. If you're named DeMichael Jordan, please follow us on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Go to our Facebook page. <laughs> Tumblr. <laughs> so you so you uh you have been in commercials. Uh yeah, I have. Yeah, and uh uh, how do you how do you find how do you find the transition? Because you do you do stage acting as well. Yeah. Um, like we said, you do sketch. Uh, how do you find the transition from uh, from stage acting to on camera? I uh, it's interesting. Um, I find that I'm someone who has to fight over correcting. Because you know when you're trained on the stage. Oh yeah. Oh sure. You're in theater school and everything has to be big. And then I just think, oh, I'm going to walk in that room and immediately be way too big. Yeah. yeah. So what I, my downfall can be that I go in the room and then just like underdo everything to oh, the yeah, point yeah. where I'm just like <laughs> Kristen Stewart or something. Just this like <laughs> yeah. non-entity in the Scarlett room. Scarlett Johansson in They're like, Lost in Translation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, I definitely have to take pains to be like, all right, dial it down, but then pump it up. Yeah. More than you think yeah. you should, because <laughs> that that weird calibration is yeah. probably what they're gonna want. And uh, you're also you're also a lifelong comic fan as oh, well. Yeah. That is uh, true. And speaking of the stage, you actually wrote uh, one person show about your love of your favorite character, Superman. Yeah. So I like Superman. He a loves Superman show. like I love X Force. It's like that level. Oh yeah. Longtime listeners, you now understand. The severity. Yeah, yeah. For uh, <laughs> it's severe. <laughs> we all. I think we all know Brett. Yeah. So, uh, so for listeners that may have missed the uh, the show, tell us tell us about what it was. What? Uh... Uh, well, it was basically sort of a my secret origin story, like laid over the loosely over the plot of Superman the movie. Awesome. Well, it had those amazing opening title credits in the style of. Oh yeah. You have uh, um, the that that movie. Yeah, that Superman, Superman movie. the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, my friend Dustin Diodato made those. Really and, good. Uh, he did just this little demo. I'm like, this is a crazy question. Yeah. Could you make the awesome opening credits of? And I expected it to like be a reasonable, you know, a tertiary, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. a companion to those credits. And when he's like, do you mean something like this? And it was exactly everything I've ever uh, wanted in life. Did he have that, oh laying of like that effect laying around? It or was, was it, I don't know. Is it like oh, a, you know what? I think he like Googled it and there was an immediately like some sort of how-to oh, that's awesome. thing. And he's yeah. just so handy like that. I mean, it was a 15-minute Oh, wow. Like, wow. That's huge. Can you do this? 15 minutes later. Oh, Prepare for your mind to be effing blown. <laughs> so it's like, yes, I exactly want that. Yes, thank you. You've just made my entire life. That's awesome. Yeah. It was a great show. It ran for a long time. Yeah, it yeah. ran for eight months. Yeah. Um, I was really, really happy with it. Yeah, that phone booth a lot of fun in, to the, do. in the back prop room. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Guy Patton helped me make that. <laughs> Trying to give all the props where the props are due. Literally, in that case. In that case. Literally, literally. the props. Super, yeah, it was a super fun show. And also, I mean... I am. I'm a Superman novice. I know. 
I know. So it was, but it was still rang true to me. Oh yeah. Uh, it's and it's also it's nice to see uh, where people are coming from in their fandom uh, to learn like why they love a thing or how much they love a thing or in the things they love about a thing. Sure. Um, certainly, my point of entry was was the movie, uh, the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was kind of one of those kids who terrified my parents in that like I would never shut up. I would never stop asking questions. Oh, yeah. I was like. Too much energy all the yeah. time. They're like, "What can we do you to, to shut dial this it down. up? Yep. Dial it down, <laughs> then bring it back up when Christopher Reeve gets on that screen and starts owning it." Yep. Um. So yeah, that's that's that was definitely Did my that, point of entry. That, that IGN article. Do I even need to go into that? Where someone like there was, I think IGN or some website had like the News five Arama. words. Newsarama. 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 Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Oh god. It was Michael Doran who wrote... Oh, oh gosh. Oh, yeah, I know all about it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Michael Doran wrote that um, Christopher Reeves' performance as Clark Kent in Superman was one of the worst yeah. comic book movie performances of all time. Nah. To, to give him... Yeah. Death threats. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Death threats. Really? He did place him at, like, number 10, right? It was, Out like, 10. 8. It was, so like, So, it was... <laughs> It's still awful. Uh, uh, I don't even... I honestly, and I'll be... I might get killed. I don't really like either of the Superman movies, but my problem is not with any of the acting. I think it is all very well cast. Do you uh, mean the Superman 1 and 2? Yeah, I... Oh, okay. I I feel like it. it's just one of those hyped into... You don't hyped. recognize Mark Pillow's harrowing performance <laughs> as the nuclear man in Superman 4? Nope. Mark Pillow? Yeah. Mark Pillow. Yeah, his name is a command. It's not spelled P-I-L-L-O-W. No, it, oh, pillow. it is. Pillow. Yeah, okay, it's Pillow. Dude, you gotta change that. <laughs> what about Mariel Hemingway's sterling performance as Lacey Warfield? Hello. Is, is that a character from the comics? Nope. Not, not even a little bit. <laughs> Sam uh, Wanamaker plays her dad. Also not a character. Oh my, just well, the worst. Richard Pryor's character was definitely in all the comics, right? As Richard Pryor. Yeah, Gus... Yeah, no Gus Gorman. No, no. Just Richard Pryor. <laughs> it's always Richard Pryor. Also, that lady Superman's who gets Richard Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> there's, part of, there's parts of Superman 2 that I like, and I feel like it... The only thing that really... I hated... This isn't what the podcast is about, but I don't know. I hated the, the weird... Throwing the throwing, cellophane? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah. that. Yep. The made-up powers... Are crazy and unnecessary. Yeah. Like, doesn't he, Superman already have enough great powers? Yeah. Oh everything. God, he just there's not enough amazing things happening in this film. <laughs> Maybe he can blink out of existence and then pop up as yeah. five illusions. Yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, the amnesia kiss. Amnesia kiss. Hated that. Yeah. Oh, the but worst. Th- there's the scene where he's fighting General Zod and the other guys, uh, like in the city, and it's just all these really practical effects of them fighting it. Yeah. It I. It doesn't look believable now, but I appreciate how practical it is, and it still like has oh, resonance. Yeah, yeah. I think it looks. I think yeah. a lot of it still looks great. Yeah, I mean, I. It's almost like why guys keep doing that. Yeah, do that. Just in movies, keep doing that. Yeah, yeah. Nolan, Nolan uses a lot of practical effects. Yeah, and there was actually a lot in. I must say, a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot in the Avengers, not the aliens, because they were all CGI, but. Yeah. Like, all of the, like, cars and the explosions and the streets and all were actually, like, built. So... Yeah. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Um, but what is your favorite Superman story? Of of all time? Of all time. Comic book jam. I really love, um... 
I think this is more from like a, a sentimental perspective at this oh, yeah. point. Um, maybe like you with uh, that early run of X Force. No, I Life Elf. Go back and listen to the episode. <laughs> it's still yes, there is a lot of sentiment there, but I honestly like no, there's exactly. a lot of good. There's a lot of good stuff there. My sentiment is what makes me talk about it all the time. <laughs> For me, it's John Burns' The Man of Steel miniseries. Okay, I need to read that. Um, it's the, the reboot. It's yeah. the reboot after Crisis on Infinite Earths, and it cast. It's just it casts Clark Clark Kent in this really interesting way and. I just love his, like, confident Superman, and it really seems, like, more based on Christopher Reeve yeah. than, you know, when it was, like, Carrie Bates and Kurt Swan. He was a lot yeah, more re- he was a lot more relaxed in Man of Steel. He yeah. was, like, okay with being Superman. He loved it. Yeah, yeah. Why, he loved why the hell flying. wouldn't he you? He loved using his powers. Mullet? He's confident. No. No mullet yet? No, no mullet was, was mullet was right after death. death okay. Till the yeah. Mullet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, mullet was post-death. <laughs> so death and Return of Superman. Well, more the Return of Superman, I think, is one of the great ones. I yeah. Really I do love I, lo- I, did, I just I read Death of Superman like a year ago, and that I, maybe it's because I'm so far removed from the hype that was around it when it came out. That like I it still impacted me. Yeah, the, I think the, his great. death issue that's just nothing but one panel full page pinups by Dane Jurgens. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Well, you yeah. know, it was great too. It, what, what I thought was fascinating back then is like the the last four parts of Doomsday, uh, part well I guess it was two, three, four, and five. Part two, every page was four panels. Mm. Part three, every page was three panels. Oh, I didn't notice. Part that. four, oh, yeah. every page was two panels. <laughs> And then part five, which is Superman 75, all was splashes. all splashes. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Oh, go back and look at it. It's oh, pretty cool. Gosh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like cool. a countdown, because they were counting down to Doomsday Yeah. so much back then. Uh, I've read two Superman stories that are like finally the first ones that I like. Yeah. Uh, uh, what are those? Uh, for the Man Who Has Everything. Great. Yep. Yeah. I read that. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I also liked uh, Darwin Cook... And who wrote that? No, Tim Sale and Darwin. Kryptonite. Yeah, yeah, the Kryptonite. Superman Confidential. Super, yeah. Wait, who wrote that? Was that it Darwin Cook and Darwin Cook wrote, Cook wrote it. And Tim, Tim Sale drew And it. then Dave Stewart did Colors, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. it looks gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. it is gorgeous. Um, and it was probably more for the art. No, there was some really awesome story stuff in there, too. Uh, it was really that good. That was a Parasite. Was Parasite in that? Yeah. And I'm just, I can't. I don't think so. I can't no. Remember. Yeah. Well, I have it, to go. I have to reread that one. I must say, it is Lex Luthor is in it? Um, I also uh, I love All Star Superman. Yeah. yeah, I still need to read it. I love yeah. Kurt um, Busiek. Is that how you say his name? Um, Busiek. 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 Kurt B. Yeah, Kurt B. Kurtzy B. Yeah. Yeah. Kurtzy B. Did a four issue like Elseworlds miniseries called Superman Secret Identity, which is about. A guy born in our world hmm. who, his last name is Kent, his parents jokingly decide to call him Clark. Yeah. Uh, he gets guff about it all through school, and then he starts to manifest superpowers. Oh, that's cool. He yeah. has the best, and Stuart Eminem's art is oh. unreal. Okay. I'm on board. Yeah. I'm on board. You said it. the two magic words right there. <laughs> uh so one last thing too uh, before we before we jump into the books themselves, uh, uh, you may also catch Michael on previous episode 
of this show as well. Whenever we did the sequel machine, oh yeah, uh, Spider-Man for Spider-Man Four, 4 Michael uh, Michael was on that as uh, a Serbic comic book comedian <laughs> Nikki Gold. Okay, um, cheap chills. <laughs> what does it mean? I'll, I'll have you know that people say that when you're not around, like it's a catchphrase. Yeah, it yeah. is now. Yeah. Right? Are, you have uh, Nikki Gold has has invaded the vernacular of of my buddy Adams and uh, Anna. I've heard Anna. Oh yeah, say, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. Oh yeah, cheap chills. Yeah, cheap chills. What? It's just Dennis Miller like non words. Yeah, yeah. That's all it is. And, uh, and Michael was also a cast member of our most recent taping of The Dark Knight 4, which, <gasps> which will be, be... Coming soon. Yeah, yeah, we'll be releasing that this uh, in September. Yeah. So, uh, so I for may that later or may month. not be playing fiction's greatest character. That's true. You mean Richter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. No, I, never, I would never mean Richter. I'd mean Siren. Or no. Boom Boom. Oh, the worst. Fiction's greatest character... <laughs> Alfred uh, Pennyworth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Up there. Up there. Oh, no, he's amazing. Definitely. But uh, I, I play both But Christopher Alfred Reeves, Christopher Reeves uh, uh, portrayal of Alfred Pennyworth, one of the <laughs> ten the worst comic books. Absolute worst. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, oh, my gosh. Let's, let's, crack into, let's crack into this week's story. Uh, yeah, we talked, I talk, we talked about this extensively last week. Mm-hmm. on our mini episode about the background of my own insane personal relationship with this comic book. Yeah, you uh, love it. Yeah. You love it. This is this is like a touchstone like Kids in the Hall is for a lot of people. Yeah, this is the, the root Saturday of Live, a lot yeah. of my crazy uh, comedy. Um, gosh, uh, I feel like it's, it might, yeah, it's, uh, it's great. And there might be a lot of sentimentality. I was in eighth grade when this came out. Ooh, okay. <laughs> And I've read it a bunch since then. But also, I read it again today, and I was still, like, laughing on the subway yeah. <laughs> at things. Uh, also, because it's very much the Mystery Science Theater brand of humor, where it's a lot of just making fun of insane stuff. Sure. Uh, for those of you who don't listen to our mini-episodes, one thing, do. What's wrong with you? You have the time. Get it together. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, second, um, basically, this is Deadpool number 11. was published in December 1997. Uh, Deadpool was... No one gave a shit about Deadpool back then. Right. His series was in the tank. No one was reading it. He was a weird minor X character who didn't even benefit from having an X on the cover so people could be like, oh, this is obviously an X-Men book. No. He was this weird fluke. So I don't know how Joe Kelly, the writer of this, convinced them to let them take Amazing Spider-Man number 47 from 1967 by... Dan Lee, a guy you might have heard of, yeah. and John Romita, who's done pretty well for himself. Yeah, yeah, he's done let, all right. Let him take that issue and then have Pete Woods draw Deadpool over Spider-Man and draw Blind Al, a character that time and America has forgotten, except yeah. for me, in my heart, uh, <laughs> over, over Aunt May, and at times weasel over just... The blood all over the place. Background characters, yeah. yeah. They just let them do this and make this issue where Deadpool just travels back in time for really no reason. It's really yeah. just a gimmick stunt thing. Yeah. It doesn't play out in the no plot ramifications. And there's literally like there's literally no real explanation for how to get them back. And I love no. that Joe Kelly calls that out with uh with literally literally when the scientific explanation of how the MacGuffin yeah. can bring them back. The the conversation literally devolves into blah 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 yeah. blah 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 blah. And Weasel and Mr. Immortal being like, man, nah, whatever. <laughs> nah, okay, sure. No idea what he's talking yeah. about. You don't know what he's talking about. No, I do understand. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. So it, it, this, this is a 
and also, as we were discussing before we started, I, we think this is the only time this has been done. This is the only time that someone has taken an existing comic book and repurposed all the panels and the words and put in new things and then put it out as this. Right. Uh, we're all, and we also read Amazing Spider-Man 47 to see what the source material was. And boy, oh boy, guys... A lot of the most crazy stuff in Deadpool 11 is written by Stan Lee. <laughs> yeah, truth. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's a very, I would totally recommend doing this. If you can find the original Deadpool number 11, which is going for a lot of money. Is that so? Yeah. All those original Deadpool comics are now worth a, a good amount, like $8, 8 to $10 per issue. Wow. Uh, because they're pretty rare. Um, but if you can find it, read Amazing Spider-Man 47. It's really a fascinating process because they re- they really did this they was really painstaking they like re they rearranged panels they like changed the size of panels they yeah. redid word balloons but still kept the words the same yep they really tried to keep the original intention of the stanley stuff very intact uh and a lot of times it blends kind of seamlessly yeah uh, i thought it was really quite seamless yeah yeah and it's re it's really an interesting it's really an interesting little artifact that also just happens to be i think ridiculously fun and hilarious uh so i guess we can get into the plot and we're going to discuss amazing spider-man kind of alongside deadpool because they are basically telling the same story yeah from different angles uh sliding doors style right is that the right reference sure they're tertiary tertiary stories (laughs) to one another i was gonna say lost i mean lost when when? is that what yeah yeah I'm talking about Gwendolyn uh, Stacy. Yeah. My girl, my uh, the lady light. Your dog. Gwendolyn your Stacey. dogette. Oh. Uh, your juggalette. The sweet, uh, my the juggalette. sweet cat. The shake. The swinging. The shaky boomer. I really shaky, shaky boomer. boomer. I, there are no, they literally make up so many sixties. Like these slang words aren't real. I'm no. convinced they're not real. So so at the at the intro of Deadpool 11, we're. We're thrown uh, into the middle of, uh, we're thrown into, first off, I love, I, I love, Pete Woods doesn't draw him this way, but I love people that draw the Watcher fat. Yeah. Um, the, Pete He's, Woods draws him very skinny, uh, but I love cut. people that, he has wa- abs. The yeah. Watch, Pete Woods' Watcher has abs. And here's the reason, <laughs> the Watcher should be a fat, corpulent man, yeah. because his entire existence is to not do anything. Yeah. True. Although, I do like that they point out uh, yet never to interfere. His is a lonely life, except when he breaks a solemn oath and does interfere, which he is wont to do on occasion, but we won't get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beside <laughs> I, the point, you guys. Yeah. I love that, like, this is also Joe Kelly pointing out that Marvel just trots the Watcher out to really amp up the stakes of anything. Oh, yeah. And I love, like, the Watcher's cameo here is incredibly gratuitous, knowingly gratuitous. Yeah. And just amounts to pumping up the stakes. Yeah. Uh, and it just, it's a fun bookend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you need, like, you know, Wolverine sits down on the toilet and looks out the window and there's the Watcher. He's <laughs> like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your experience one. with uh, Deadpool? Michael. <laughs> My experience with Deadpool is fairly limited. Mm-hmm. Um, I did actually, as a 12 year old, pick up uh, like those first Liefeld issues of X Force because oh, yeah. it was exciting. And you were the target audience. I guess 12 year olds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's who's still buying. I was stuff. like, wow, this is so crazy looking. Yeah. Um, and there's just X Force number two. Deadpool's yeah, like uh, in a fair amount of yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's him versus a cane, Weapon X, whose power is he shoots his hand off 
at people. And it electrocutes sometimes. And it never comes back. He has to run and pick it up. Yeah, it doesn't come it, back. It, it never come comes back. back. Oh, you know what else his power seems to be? For his face to radically change <laughs> from panel to panel. I think his race changes a few times, like just on page three oh, yeah, of, course. of that book. Um, so I, I I don't have too much experience with Deadpool. How does this line up with X-Force number two? Um, well, it's it it doesn't. It, it unlines up. Yeah. It's yeah. like reading um, you know, like some like the savage She-Hulk, and then reading John Byrne's sensational yeah. She-Hulk. Yeah, it's this is very much goes to show you that Rob. I feel like Rob Liefeld creates good characters, and they become good after he gets rid of, like after he leaves. Oh yeah, like Joe Kelly really hit a really great stride with Deadpool in taking him to being actually funny, like actually like quipping, uh, nonstop quipping, relentless quipping. Uh, and also taking it to a really dark place, and there are a couple of really dark moments. Um, one that comes up, like, Deadpool and Blind Al, who is his prisoner, which itself is a very dark thing. Like, he keeps an old woman as a prisoner. And they've lived they, they've lived together so long that she's just used to it and accepts it. Yeah. And they're more like... And previous to this, like, Deadpool kind of treats her as a buddy, and every now and then she has to reiterate, no... I'm your prisoner and you won't let me leave. So you can pal around with me and we'll play pranks on each other. But just remember, you're holding me here. Yeah. Uh, so it's, that's that's fucked up. Um, it's kind of like Scrubs like that. <laughs> yeah. Is that what? Yeah. Wait. You know, occasionally Scrubs would just hit you with something real. Yep. Wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, <laughs> yeah. My mom was going, no, my mom was also going like TLC, like no, no. Scrubs. I was like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know well, the Ain't Too Proud to Beg video? Yeah. Deadpool does not want no pigeons. No, but Deadpool <laughs> does that. hang out the passenger side true. of Weasel's ride trying to holler at all the women. Oh, yeah. Um, that is true. But basically, it starts off, in the previous issue, uh, Deadpool has activated his teleportation device while touching Doorman, who's a member of the Great Lakes Avengers, who are now calling themselves the Lightning Rods to cash in on the Thunderbolts craze. Very, wow. Yeah, it's very, yeah. this is a very 1997 comic. Yeah, welcome to 97, uh, son. Sure yeah. thing. Uh, so the issue starts off with them just crash landing in 1967 Marvel. Um, they literally land on top of Aunt May. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. part is um, weird. But the, the thing that I was wanting to get about the darkness, which cuts ahead just a little bit, is when Anna Watson comes over to check on Aunt May, because Aunt May is moving in with Anna Watson in this issue of Amazing Spider-Man from 1967, Deadpool, like, pulls out a gun on her, and Blind Al's already got this thing of, like, can't fuck up the time stream, I've seen Star Trek episodes, we can't do any of this, we could, like, we could end up killing the president, who knows. And then, Anna, like, it's really a great layout of Anna Watson on one side of the door, and then the That's next good. panel right over is Deadpool with his gun out, like, don't worry think about, about a thing, Al, I got the time stream thingy covered, and chick-chack, and then cut away, and it's like, that's pretty dark like they're basically saying Deadpool's totally fine with blowing away an innocent old woman which he is what's interesting too is is the way that uh Pete Woods decides to draw it as well because you have a very everything that Pete Woods draws surrounding the amazing Spider-Man 47 yeah. story with those characters is very much in a Romita style and you have that Romita style on one side of the door innocently not knowing and here is this modern <laughs> yeah. modern drawing of a character 
who is just unafraid to murder the past in yeah. cold blood, which is very much something that was happening in the 90s. This is thematic. Yeah. <laughs> this means a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> These two panels are... Yeah. Prescient. Uh, but then... The, there are two different sides. There's the uh, Well, there's like three different storylines, because there's the Deadpool storyline of him and Blind Al basically trying to figure out how do we get back. Yeah. Uh, and then also the Amazing Spider-Man 47 storyline, which is this crazy thing. It is crazy. So, so Amazing oh Spider-Man 47 starts <laughs> with a flashback that, that by, to, uh, to old issues uh, that, by the way, we never saw any of this stuff happen yeah. in the past. And, and Stan Lee makes a point it. of telling everyone it's that. This nefarious note. In case you don't remember this stirring sequence from issue 15 or issue 34, Craven's last two appearances, it's because we didn't show it. It's After because all, we didn't show it. We can't blow the whole bit in every yawn. Sign Sneaky Stan. Sneaky Stan. Well, now somebody pass sneaky. me a scotch. <laughs> So how many <laughs> 60s Marvel comics by Stanley have you read before this? Um, a lot, actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I guess I forgot about how meta he gets. I will say, I don't think I've read a lot of late 60s Stanley stuff. Yeah. I think I've read all, like, the first yeah. issues. Yeah. This is, like, confident Stanley. This is, like, saying, like, hey, I got this down. Cause... Well, it's, it's not even, it, 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 I feel like it's not even... So much that, but it's Stanley confident in the fact that he is letting shit slip left and right. <laughs> and he's like, look, people are still buying it. They're okay with it. I'll make fun of me. Well, the very first page of Spider-Man 47 has this really crazy giant caption trying to explain to readers, hey, hold on, this is this is a flashback, don't worry. Yeah, I think uh, I said cliffhanger you know. yeah. in the mini-episode. I mean, isn't, isn't flashback, like yeah. They don't understand that there was a, I feel like there's a lot of concern in the 60s and 70s comics that readers will not turn the page of the thing they're holding. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's all those, like, continued after next page. Don't, there's going to be an ad, like, letters, letters pages and Don't worry. Don't worry. The story isn't over. Yeah. It's, as in, as it, in, like, they'd be like, oh, ad, story's over. Throw this away. Well, there's 30 more pages here, but I'm sure they're all just more ads. So, yeah. uh, it's funny because we always talk ball. about how how kids' attention spans have shortened as we've gotten older. And you would think that a page like this would exist in a comic today. Yeah. Versus. But, yeah. Yeah, because this is the type of thing that you would think would happen now. It's like, this comic comes with a free air siren. And oh my god, turn the page. Flashing light, flashing light, flashing light. Because the thing is, Green Goblin has died several yeah. issues prior. So they were so nervous that when he... He hadn't died, he had just lost his memory. But, but, like, we, but we, we all think that the character of Green Goblin, everyone thinks is dead. They don't is, know, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm He's sorry. Not you're right. My apologies. Yeah. yeah. So that when they turn the kids would turn the cover back and see Green Goblin, yeah, everybody what? was like, "Well, we gotta put a caption here." Or they're gonna be like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ripping it up. Did Marvel forget? <laughs> By the way, too, uh, Craven in this story, I love that he's here because he makes me realize that uh, a lot of the women in New York right now. Dress like either Rogue or Craven the Hunter. <laughs> I feel like I've seen so many leopard print tights, yeah, ballet flats, fur and collars. a giant fur collar. I'm uh, not yeah. kidding. Like I was looking at this, and I was like, "Oh, holy cow!" I would to I swear I saw this woman on Halston, yeah, like a month ago. That lion's that lion's head, that uh, face vest? of the lion. Yeah, that's yeah. totally in, that's, guys. 
that's meatpacking district right there. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like we can just... There's so many weird things in both of these things. And I feel like the, the basic plot is like... Craven, the basic plot is Craven <laughs> saying, bitch, bitch better have my money. Yeah. And hunting down the Green Goblin for money that he, by the way, says he doesn't even need, but it's the principle of yeah. the matter. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, he just wants to kill Spider-Man. But then he's more wo- his pride is more wounded by Norman Osborn. Yeah. So then he's more mad at him, even though his <laughs> real quarry is still Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. So that when he's fighting Spider-Man, his true enemy, yep. Yep. he sees out of the corner of his eye Norman Osborn. He's like, "Forget you, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. I've got to go get Norman Osborn, who he only thinks was the Green Goblin's like messenger. Yeah, yeah. like that's like he thinks that Norman Osborn might know where his money is, and that trumps Spider-Man, yeah. his arch enemy. And then when he gets Norman Osborn, Craven uh, uses his like jungle truth detection power, which he cites earlier in the issue. To when Norman Osborn's like, I don't know, I don't remember any of this. He's like, yeah. Oh, you don't remember? Okay. <laughs> oh, leaves. you don't. My bad. Yeah. Listen, I... And he just leaves. Uh, he should have like some uh, remembering bat spray in his Craven pouch. He should. But there must. This must not have been a normal issue of Amazing Spider-Man because. There's a lot of there's a lot of like Peter Parker, there's a Peyton Place as they cite in this thing. There's a lot of like teen soap opera going on in this. So much so that Stanley has to point out, okay, we you know John Romita didn't forget how to draw Spider-Man guys. Well, it was a big thing though too that Flash was leaving to go to Vietnam for Nam. Yeah, yeah, that was a big thing that there was a comic book character that had enlisted and was going yeah. into the army. So that was like the gay marriage of its day. Like the Kevin Keller mm. getting married, like controversial hot uh, button hot button issue. Oh thing. yeah, because it was something that was affecting kids and at the time Marvel was still very popular in yeah. col- on college campuses. I can campuses. totally see that too with this. I know it reads crazy bananas now. But it definitely also reads as like we are trying at least yeah. to tap into yeah not just like oh. super power oh, yeah. fantasies but also like John Romita draws like gorgeous women clo- gorgeous women with like amazing clothes contemporary clothes yeah. yeah yeah and the thing is like you I think we all have to realize too that when the Marvel <laughs> universe hit in 62 yeah. Stan Lee was already like 41 yeah. so he's in his late 40s trying to write dialogue trying for to teens be real and we cool. know how that always turns oh, out those kids fall for it man there is so oh, yeah. much uh, when Mary like this is the issue where as I just mentioned uh, Anna Watson like Mary Jane Aunt May is moving in with Anna Watson who's Mary Jane's grandmother uh, no I think her aunt okay uh, because Aunt May is, of course, going through a lot of physical problems or whatever. Yeah. Issue. I but, swear Aunt May was made of tinder yeah. and paper mache. Yeah. And then she was crashed onto by yeah. Deadpool. How yeah. did she not yeah. shatter? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but in what's crazy is in, in the uh, original issue, they're moving... Uh, Anna is helping uh, May move in, and Mary Jane just shows up 
And she's like, hey, thought you might need ham with the unpacking. And then Which she is great. immediately... Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much, niece. <laughs> what a nice niece. What a, yeah. what a great lady. Help Mary lady. Jane, how sweet of you to drop by. If only Peter, if only my Peter could be so happy-go-lucky. And yeah. Mary Jane says... Don't worry about Petey, Mrs. Parker. He's a real swinger, a regular full-time pussycat. And then she just puts on a record and just starts dancing in the living room. With two old women on either side of her, <laughs> just as confounded as we are. By seems. the way, by the way, comes in with her spry young body and dances while she watches the old women yeah. move things. Yep. It's... And- Crazy. And, yeah. and, and her her aunt actually says, Mary Jane, you might help us by starting to move those those Mary Jane. Oh well, at least stay out of the way so we don't trip over you. <laughs> this is a conversation <laughs> that has happened many times oh in this my house. God, the swing in sixties. Remember when you just dance and let old people <laughs> move stuff all around you? <laughs> this, then to flash over to the Deadpool side of this, when this happens, uh in order to not fuck up the time stream. Deadpool answers the door when Anna Watson comes over by scanning with his uh, image inducer a bunch of pictures of Peter Parker, takes the guise of Peter Parker, and is now playing Peter Parker. He gets rid of the real Peter Parker by sending him out to, like, the Bayo, New Jersey. (laughs) Because he's like, hey, uh, you take pictures of Spider-Man? Yeah, there's a big bad guy brawl going out up there. You should get Spider-Man over there. Bye! By the way, now that I live in New York, the Bayo, New New Jersey (laughs) thing, much funnier. Yeah, Yeah. love it. Yeah. Uh, and then it's like, okay, Blind Al, you're going to have to pose as Aunt May. We don't want to fuck up the time string. Go with this woman. So the entire issue, Aunt May is stuck with Anna and Mary Jane Watson. Blind Al. <clears throat> Blind yeah. Al, Aunt May. As soon as, in the Deadpool version, when Mary Jane comes in, she's all like, Hey, pretty people, thought you might need a hand with your unpack, and if so, have no fear, MJ is here. And Blind Al just thinks, sweet Christmas, this chick is dizzy as a merry-go-round. <laughs> <laughs> and then when she starts dancing behind her, uh, Blind Al is calling Peter Parker's apartment, just, and she's thinking, did she just start dancing? Ugh, so young to be involved with the crack. <laughs> <laughs> they make a crack joke in a code-approved comic from yeah, but that's, but I love so it. funny too because it, it literally is spastic <laughs> ADD behavior just from panel we don't know how much time has passed from MJ yeah. standing outside of this uh, of this house to coming inside that might be 20 minutes we don't know but the fact that it's panel <laughs> to panel is hilarious yeah uh and so, like, the entire issue is just stuff like that. I'm trying to think, um... I... I, I t- love when... So, after that, Peter... Peter slash Deadpool winds up making his way to ESU to try and meet up with... It turns out his buddy Weasel yeah. was in science class at Empire State yeah. with Peter Parker in the 60s. But back then, he was a clean-cut geek named Jack... Jack Hammer. Hammer. Which they do call out as being kind of preposterous. Yes. So, that's fine. Uh, uh, oh, God. I I'm, I feel like I need to read quotes from things just to prove how funny this is to me. Sure. When, when De- after Deadpool finishes scanning all the Peter Parker things and answers the door to, be, to greet Anna Watson, uh, his first line is, Yeah, sorry, I was upstairs in the bathroom trying to figure out how to shave. You know how it is. <laughs> By the way, can we talk about... <laughs> In the panel, this is actually, Pete Woods drew this panel, and I find it hilarious. Look at Peter's collar. It is a high collar (laughs) with a lapel. Yeah. The the shirt has its own lapel underneath the collar. (laughs) Oh, it does. Is that actually... What is that? That's weird. 
Is that what he was wearing kind of in the uh, original 60s issue? In this... or, or no, you don't see Peter Parker in that. Animal, no, in the think, 60s yeah. issue, I think he's no. only wearing the blue he's suit. That blue suit. Yeah. <laughs> the closet full of blue suits, as Deadpool points out. Yeah, I <laughs> wondered if that was, like, intentionally goofy. That yeah, shirt. that really is goofy. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then also, I, I also love <laughs> when he first sees... Ka- uh, Craven walking down the street. And this is actually in the in Amazing Spider-Man 47, but they drew a Peter Parker into the panel. Yes. And it's just Deadpool but going, nice duds, Kazar. <laughs> and and Craven just stomping down the street, ignoring Monologuing. Him. Yeah. To which Deadpool <laughs> replies, weirdo. By the way, too, Craven just got out of prison. Yeah. And they let him out of jail, and they're like, all right. Here you go. Here is your villain uniform. (laughs) Go back to it. (laughs) Also, he was imprisoned for what what was quoted in Amazing Spider-Man 47 as months and months, which I'm pretty sure he like tried to kill a ton of people. Probably he's a bad guy. Months and months. Months (laughs) and months. (laughs) This is also a universe, though, too, at the time where the publisher of one of the country's largest newspapers, will leave his own office to go watch Spider-Man fight fight a dude yeah. on a construction site. The really that cool happens. thing about Amazing Spider-Man 47 and reading it at the same time as this is noticing all the subplots in Amazing Spider-Man 47 that aren't in Deadpool 11, yeah. which is actually really good editing. Like, all that um, Betty Brant and Ned Leeds stuff is cut out. Like, they are literally cropped out of that yeah. party scene because oh, yeah. Yeah. who needs them? That's right. uh, and also, like, all the J. Jonah Jameson stuff isn't there because why in the world would Deadpool posing as Peter Parker interact with him? And no Frederick Foswell? Yeah. It's, re- it's really <laughs> interesting. Um, Joe Kelly's dialogue is phenomenal, and he really nails the Stanley verbosity in this one scene where Deadpool is calling to get Peter Parker out of the picture. And it's Peter Parker walking past a payphone, and the phone rings, and there's a thought bubble that is... That's weird. A phone ringing in an empty booth. Should I answer it? Why not? Aunt May always says that things happen for a reason. Why not take the chance? And then he yells, Okay, I'll do it! (laughs) (laughs) That's only really funny when you you say it out loud. Now it's really funny. (laughs) Because you don't realize sometimes thought bubbles and word balloons just kind of bleed into each other as you're reading. I see what he's up to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because it's just that that Stanley verbosity of like just answering a fucking payphone is a moment. Yeah. Well, that's whenever he also sends up Stanley's sort of purple prose whenever yeah. Harry first shows up in Deadpool Eleven, oh which you have up here, uh, Brett. No, Michael, you be Deadpool. Okay. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna stage this. All right. All right. And Matt is gonna be Harry Osborn. Yeah. Okay. What's a scam, hip cat? I thought I'd find you singing with the squares. What? Hanging with the hard cases. Excuse me? Rapping with the rubes. Are you having a seizure? Speak English. And for pity's sake, what's up with that hair? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, all the hair stuff is my favorite thing about <laughs> yeah. this issue. Yes. I, was, I remember laughing and crying reading all the hair stuff. Oh, uh, so Because funny. there's the panel that Joe Kelly repurposes. Because there's an inner monologue that Peter has when Harry show when Norman oh, shows up yeah. to Harry oh, and Peter's apartment, oh, and he yeah. repurposes it into oh, yeah. Deadpool thinking about 
Norman and Harry's hair. Who wants to read it? <laughs> well, let's read the original first. Okay, yeah. Where? Okay, so in the original uh, Amazing Spider-Man 47, when Peter Parker meets Norman Osborn, this is their first meeting. Right? Like, this is the first time Norman's meeting Peter Parker. Yeah, I mean, there are some... Yeah, there's some landmark stuff that yeah, happened. This is... And, Dead, and now in Marvel continuity, Peter Parker didn't meet him. Deadpool did. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so in Amazing Spider-Man 47, when he reads them, this is, this is Peter Parker's monologue by Stan Lee. It's a good thing for all of us that he doesn't remember that we did meet before when he battled Spider-Man in the guise of the Green Goblin. Whoever thought we'd one day be shaking hands after he returned to normal with no memory of what happened. So, <laughs> And yeah. now, and then Joe Kelly repurposes that as a Deadpool inner monologue reading. <laughs> I've been all over the world, and I've seen lots of crazy things, but that head is truly unnatural. It is grotesque, <laughs> but I cannot look away. Is it Brill Cream? Grecian formula gone bad? Genetic joke? Obviously, Peter would never say anything about this. I gotta keep my yap shut. <laughs> but those funky follicles <laughs> pulling me in must resist urge to make a crack. And then it turns to dialogue. Uh, nice head, sir. <laughs> nice head. Nice, nice, nice head, head yeah. sir. And he, and he mentions that earlier, um, where he's like, later on, uh, he's like, oh, oh, where's the, there's like the grooming panel where Harry Osborn keeps talking about, got a groom, got a groom. And yeah. he's like, do you want me to sharpen your head? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But also, to, for, people, people say. for people that haven't ever seen what Harry and Norman Osborn look like, what is up with their hair? They're the only two care. Oh, no, Sandman. Oh, Sandman also kind of, yeah. Sandman. Three Steve Ditko characters. Yeah. And I don't think... That's the only reason I would ever want Steve Ditko to come out of hiding. <laughs> like, is to explain <laughs> those haircuts. And then he can he can disappear right back into the ether. Yeah. Oh, I might want like another Speedball-esque creation I first. Oh, sure. And then go back. <clears throat> So they they go to the whole thing is they need to get they need to get Weasel to fix the the teleportation belt so they can both sink hit them at midnight to travel back to time which itself is not doesn't make any sense but they kind <laughs> oh, of acknowledge yeah. it that does not make any sense because <clears throat> how does how do they know that midnight where Deadpool is in 1967 is the same midnight as well where when they are, when Flatman explains it oh yeah it literally goes into blah 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 yeah. blah blah because so, it. It doesn't matter because yeah. who the, who cares? So like the thing, but Weasel at this point hates Peter Parker, which is so interesting uh, that Joe Kelly's exploring that aspect of like there is someone who doesn't like Peter Parker because like they're even more of a nerd than he is. Yeah, um, or they're like jealous of him. Like have it. It's really cool. Um, and so the whole thing is like I have to get I need to get Weasel like drunk or happy or just something so he'll fucking fix his belt. So he finds out that Weasel loves Gwen Stacy, and Gwen Stacy's throwing Flash Thompson's going away party. So they get Weasel invited to this. Um, another one of my favorite is when Deadpool finally meets Mary Jane. Uh, I, before I talk about this, what do you guys... <laughs> let's go back to Amazing Spider-Man 47 and just unpack what the fuck is up with Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane. They, they are... are... Mary Jane is just a party 
animal. Yeah. And even Gwen Stacy's like, hey, Peter, you should invite Mary Jane. Oh, it starts at 8. It'll really get hopping if Mary Jane is there. Well, And the, they retcon it later. The reason that <clears throat> The reason that Gwen is so heavy about that is because in the original continuity... Whenever Gwen's introduced, she is dating Flash and then dumps him and is way into Peter. And Peter is constantly distracted. That is just yeah. when Ditko's run was ending, and that's when all of the Green Goblin craziness popped well, up. because he kind of left over who the Green Goblin really was. Yes. Like, he did not want it to be Norman Osborn. He wanted to, to be a random person. A random person. Yeah. But... <clears throat> Peter was so busy that he kept ignoring Gwen, and she kept throwing herself at him. And eventually, when he realized that she was doing that, by that point, she was like, "I don't care." Yeah. So a lot of this, <laughs> a lot of this, is her purposely deflecting him, ah, yeah. trying to flirt with her, and also MJ is just a crazy party. <laughs> yeah, I. Because there's that one scene where what she, where Mary Jane is dancing at the party and Gwen Stacy is handing out hamburgers. Yeah. And they're like, hey, <laughs> Mary Jane is cutting a rug. I think that's in... Yeah, and I always took that to be that Gwen is trying to one-up MJ because she still cares about Peter. I mean, they wind up together. Totally. That's totally... And it. I think that that's what a lot of that competitiveness was there because yeah. MJ was always... MJ was a running joke in the in the earlier issues before you see her. Yeah, she was, she was always like, oh, she's got to be hideous or whatever. Yeah, and then she shows up and she's gorgeous. And once you see that, you know, she shows up in the picture and Gwen Stacy... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm mesmerized by Gwen Stacy's dancing. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a really kind of gorgeous you got two gay men in here and we are both admitting it's gorgeous i mean yeah. it's just a gorgeously drawn panel like it's yeah. really iconic looking yeah that's the thing is like um and it's that's the only time pete woods's art is pretty much seamless but there's one picture in here that pete woods does of gwen stacy i think towards the end of deadpool 11 uh and it just oh like it doesn't look like Steve, like john ramita draws gwen stacy unlike anyone else and yeah. it's just gorgeous yeah um i also love that every single yeah like right there it just it doesn't look like gwen stacy no, at all not even a little um oh whenever she's talking to jack uh, weasel, yeah weasel pete woods was new yeah and he but his art does there are things in this that i thought was pete woods that was actually john ramita and vice versa yeah um when i yeah. was going back through and did reading a good everything. job um and but, the inkers did a good job too yeah and like also like the colorists i feel like all the 60s stuff that they did in 97 looks more modern than all the 97 stuff done in 97. Yeah. All that computer coloring. Uh, yeah, it looks that's fair. terrible. Has not aged well. All um, that Corel Draw 3D stuff. Yeah. I will say this. You were talking about how Mary Jane's crazy in this. Yeah. Yeah. Gwen's not uncrazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when they pick Gwen up and she's scantily clad and they're like they're in a convertible and they say if you think it's too chilly we can put the top up here's what gwen says <laughs> bite your tongue impetuous one we night people thrive on moonburns yeah. <laughs> what does that mean what <laughs> well see this was see gwen stacy was going to be a superhero <laughs> called the night people <laughs> she was going to be a moon queen <laughs> If Gwen Stacy... Penumbra. <laughs> I'm Penumbra. Well, and then there's the, um... This is the thing that I was wanting to bring up, uh... That... And that, like, two panels later, they... they Mary Jane, like, runs up 
and in the Stan Lee thing, she's, she says, like, who needs a car? When there's a party to go to, I can fly all the way there. In the 60s, treated as a normal thing to say. In the Deppel version, uh, she says that, and Deppel says, okay, that was an odd leap. Al wasn't kidding. She is as dumb as a post. <laughs> and, then, and then thinks, I'm going to get so lucky. <laughs> so, I think part of the reason I love this is, like, reading this when I was in eighth grade... It seemed like it seemed almost it seemed very risque to an eighth grader, yeah, uh, because you didn't get all these weird like I'm gonna get so lucky. They never made those jokes in any X Men comics. Oh like, yeah, there's literally a point. Oh, never mind. I just realized it. I think that uh, Deadpool refers to uh, Deadpool as Peter refers to forgetting the. Tr- oh, Harry says forget the trim whenever he's on the phone. And the doorbell rings, and I thought that they were referring to women, and I just realized that he was talking about the hair on his head. <laughs> and I was amazed that they let that slide. The trim. Until right now, and I was like, oh, snap. Okay. No, that makes a lot more sense. But also, I mean, if you want to dive into... Um the 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 lot of uh, gay issues in this issue. Yeah, back in the present, the lightning rods yeah. are still trying to figure out how to get Deadpool back to the present, and there is a lot. There is a lot of gay panic about Flatman, well, and it, it's. I, I will I will defend it as. It's 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 very interestingly done because it's not gay panic because they all it's weird because they all say hey no like it's cool. Yeah. It's, it's more like gay focusing to the point of weird hype. Uh, it's it's very it's weird, because um, I don't like it. Definitely doesn't come across as like everyone's like ew. The reason they think it is because when uh, Doorman barfs up a bunch of time gunk and a shoe pops through, he recognizes and the he's shoe because like, yeah. he was a fashion major. Um, and then he starts, like, offering to give everyone, like, massages and back rubs and calling people sailor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. Um, but it... I'm trying to think. Um, Big Bertha herself is a crazy character. And she, like, she says, hey, uh, you know, if you study fashion in college, it's fine. I just want you to know that I still care about you as a person. Uh, which is like, okay, like, it's not portraying... It's, there's a lot... I don't know how to suss this out. It's weird that they make such a big deal about it, but it's also like, it was 1997, and gay characters in comic books, not that often. No, um, not at all. So I feel like, the fact that they addressed it, and there wasn't, like, any type of weird skeeviness, um... It's like one step beyond not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's still weird that they made a big deal about it, but I also understand why they would, why it was a joke, because it is 1997. And it is, and like, those kind of jokes are still made nowadays. I was just about to say, it's not, this is, it's 2012, we're still doing this. Yeah, we haven't gotten that much better. But also, like, I don't read it as derogatory. Um, I don't either, I just think it's a classic case of just straight guys being obsessed with, like, being cool with gay guys. Yeah. Like I'm cool with it, which is why I'm allowed to joke about it, y'all. Yeah, that's well. That's Keep what I said when pillows. I. That's what I said when I came over tonight. I was like, "Hey guys, yeah, <laughs> we're just gonna hang out, two gay guys and a straight guy. Yeah. That's cool. I'm and not threatened in any way. I just want to let you know that, like, you know, I'm gonna be real relaxed and chummy with you guys tonight, and I will be mentioning trim quite a bit. <laughs> hey, you guys, 
I want to let you know how much I want to bang Gwen Stacy. <laughs> Although I wouldn't. You wouldn't? I, no, I said would. Uh, it's like, geez, you might be gay. Totally would, yeah. You wouldn't bang her? No, uh, I totally. Uh, Gwen Stacy and, and Mary Jane. Uh, I mean, also, like, the way John Romita, uh draws them. Um, oh, how I fainted for them when I was a kid. Uh, oh, and also I love when, like, Craven shows up at the party because he's looking for a Norman Osborn. He's like, well, I'll get his son, Harry Osborn, hold him hostage. So he finds out where their party is. I don't know if they explain which how he is, does that. Somehow easier than finding out where Nor- Norman Osborn yeah. is, who right. like is like has a plane ticket. I don't yeah. know. Like <laughs> it would seem to be easier to track him down than his son. I love the panel of because like when the when the bad guy shows up, the hero always runs away to go change. But Joe Kelly has Deadpool as Peter Parker literally scream, "Eek! I'm out of here." <laughs> <laughs> because he doesn't know that he yeah. that Peter's Spider-Man. No one will think twice of a wuss like Parker runs from a fight. <laughs> uh, I love and then and then we get like I feel like the issue kind of loses a little bit of steam when they get into the fight because I was just loving having Deadpool just comment on all these insane people. Yeah. Uh, and then it becomes um Deadpool, the figure of Deadpool being pasted over yeah. Spidey's figure in all of the fight. Yeah. Which, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Although they do point out, like, uh, you know, sure, chicks really dig the cool way I'm hanging on this girder. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just pointing out the fact that, like, well, Deadpool doesn't normally do this. I will justify that I'm able to somehow stick to stuff. <laughs> it's like, yeah, don't let, don't get too hung up on things. Also, in this, in both books, the resolution is Craven just walks away yeah. like literally walks he, away he finds out oh I'm not gonna get my n- money from Norman Osborn meh bye bye <laughs> yeah he says guys. I'm not gonna get my money from Norman Osborn and I beat up Spider-Man yeah. so I won I didn't capture Spider-Man I just beat him up and I was going to kill him but I didn't and <laughs> that's enough of a victory for me uh, yeah that's um, Can we please rewind to? I'm sorry to do this, but no, to go. rewind to one crazy Craven thing oh, that yeah. happens, oh, I believe, <clears throat> on the third panel of the story in Amazing Spider-Man 47. Okay, Craven has Spider-Man in his clutches. He's about to deliver like the death blow. He's looking over at Green Goblin, and then the panel switches to then moments later. I was careless. By diverting my attention, he managed to escape me. It's just like a shot of Craven's head. Spider-Man is gone. Yeah. We have no idea how that happened in between panels. Yeah. It's the absolute best. That's the weird it's thing. so weird. This, that's the weird thing about the like, 60s storytelling and like the way comic books read. Because they much they read more like storybooks. Sure. Except you got a whole page of a storybook in a panel. Mm-hmm. Um, because so much time is in between every single panel. Like, there's one sequence where it's like, it's like Craven walking down the street, then Craven in a bank, and then Craven in his headquarters, all three panels, like, side by side. And it's like, that's, that's a valid way of doing comics. It's just not how comics have been written for, like, 25, 30 years. It's interesting, too, because I think one of Craven's jungle powers is the ability to be easily distracted. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like a meerkat, or like something. a meerkat. Oh, yeah, who? Oh. He probably, yeah, he probably should have left that power on the. Like, now I want to take that. What? Craven doesn't. 
Does Craven takes like a lot, a lot of elixirs and yeah, stuff, right? Yeah, jungle juices. <clears throat> jungle yeah. juices and not like the frat boy jungle yeah. juice. Um, the the second really dark moment that really that happened in this is like Aunt, uh, Blind Al is just living as Aunt May. Uh, <laughs> I do need to mention that Deadpool, in order to ensure that Aunt May would not go interfere... Uh, she's like unconscious on the couch from where they fucking landed on her. Yeah. He rigs up a weird, like another prank, another prank, and like ties it around her hand. So then when she like wakes up, this crazy has like men's underwear on its head and like goggles, like this weird gremlin-y thing to fall down and scare her, and she faints again. Oh, yep. That, and that really, maybe gives that... her another heart attack. Right. <laughs> She's such a fragile... Like, I'd rather just tell her I'm Spider-Man. Yeah. That would be less you traumatizing. Guys, yeah, this happened... This happened, like, only a year after the Master Planner saga, ah, too. Yeah. Which is when she almost kicked the bucket. Like, that was... that the, the Master Planner, I believe, was originally going to be their swan song. Oh, on the wow. Book. I need wow. to read all stick this around stuff. for a couple of more issues. I don't know. I think I say a lot of stuff on this show... Where I've half heard things. Fact checkers. <laughs> yeah, guys, and some ombudsman right. is like just right. listening to um, this and a, no. But Blind Al is kind of like, she hasn't heard from Deadpool in a while. Uh, she's now like wearing a flannel nightie. Uh, and they used to wear those all yeah, the time. She's like, what? And she literally says, like, she has her head in her hands. Uh, she's like, Spunny, I've been a prisoner of weights for years, suffered all forms of indignity, but I never considered death a positive alternative to my salute, my situation. But tomorrow, I chew carbon monoxide big time. Yeah. And, and then Deadpool comes and rescues her. But, and the panel itself, like, she's burying her face in yeah. her hands. Yeah, there's no, there's no comedy in the panel itself. No. Like, this is intended to be a very serious... Which is... It's really interesting, and I feel like you don't, like, you don't realize how kind of severe that reads unless you really focus on it, because Joe Kelly is kind of just this, this master at, I don't know, at, like, blending, at blending everything, which is why I loved him so much. Uh, it's because, like, right after this issue, shit gets crazy. Also, <laughs> in the very next panel, after uh, Chew Carbon Knocks, like, big, big time, Deadpool knocks on the window uh, he's like, hey, let's get out of here. And she's like, goodbye, past. Goodbye, Anna. Goodbye, flannel. And lifts up her skirt. <laughs> to which Deadpool then sees her naughty business. And is like, oh, please, Al, a little warning next time. Some of us aren't blind, you know. So it's like, the pendulum swings. It's two panels later. Back and mm -hmm. forth. And it's, it's, oh, it's masterful. I like, <laughs> but I like that. I've always liked when a story can balance comedy with drama yeah. and action. There's no reason why those things can't coexist in a story. Yeah. Deadpool sabotages Weasel's life, which is another interesting thing. Uh, because in order... Because he needs to get Weasel drunk. The only way to like, get him drunk is to like, really just fuck up his life. And he's up for the same type of grant or whatever or job, internship. Yes, there's, a job, there's a job at Oscorp <clears throat> which is mentioned in the original book yeah. offhandedly when Norman meets Peter for the first time and says... I hope that you are, uh, I hope I understand you whenever you come for a job yeah. at Oscorp. And Joe Kelly turns that into a plot point to revolve around. Yeah. Because Deadpool also mentions whenever he sees Jack Hammer's photo that he can't believe that this clean cut boy. Yeah, becomes. And what I love too is more than once they say, what is the thing that turns him into a degenerate, and it turns out 
It's Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> it's Deadpool that turns him into a degenerate because Deadpool introduces him to alcohol yeah. for the first he time. He tells Norman Osborn that he's a drug addict. Yes. Which is also crazy. That was crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end, um, I love they show Weasel's parents who are worried about him. Uh, and then he knocks on the door and Weasel is there. And he is holding a bottle of liquor. He's wearing a shirt that says, honestly, officer, I'm not as thick as you stoned I am. Ossifer. Yeah. Os- oh. <laughs> Except stoned. You can only see the S, T, and the O, and the N because they cut it off. Uh, and he says, fuck college, I'm hauling ass to Tijuana. But they put in symbols. I always used to read those before I realized those were supposed to be swears when I was a kid. Uh, in my head, that always read as, I I just thought it was like a guttural yell. (laughs) That's what they want you to think it is. Yeah. Jeez. I thought it was the clanging of, like, cans. (laughs) (laughs) But they get back. Everything's fine. They shoot back out of Doorman as he vomits. There's also that really funny... (laughs) (laughs) Blurg. (laughs) Here's Johnny. I also love... um, I didn't mention this, but the very first thing... uh, The very first page that you see Deadpool is... It's another thing that I had never read in a comic book before. uh, Is... um, Note to self. Next time some hippie asks you to lick something at a dead concert, just say no. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah, that's pretty subversive for a 1997 code-approved book. Yeah, how did the code approve this? Well, the code was a lot more lax by the 90s, clearly by the fact that Punisher had three or four books a month where he was murdering people. Yeah, (laughs) constantly. Let's not forget that. Yeah, the the code was, I mean, at this point, the code was not a joke, but there was... No, the code's a joke. (laughs) It always was. yeah. Yeah, but... At that point, at that point, the unless unless Peter pulls his wiener out <laughs> and Craven uses his jungle ability, his jungle uh, blowjob abilities, the 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 code was not going to. Deadpool care. makes a lot of bestiality jokes in this. He does. <laughs> uh, so I mean, I guess that, that's pretty much it. Uh, the book goes crazy dark after this, and then slowly gets pulled out. Like it's it's an amazing comic. Uh, the fact that it does all this back and forth. But anyway, this is one of my favorite things, so I ramble about it. Uh, what are your what were your overall takeaways or impressions? Um, it made me want to read a lot more early Spider-Man, actually. Yeah. Because yeah. I think it, it was cuckoo, but like in a really fun way. It re- and yeah, it really Sort is. of of its time. Um, so I kind of want to just see the rest of it. And I just think John Ramitas, like I've always actually preferred Steve Ditko cause his stuff like is weirder and a little oh. uglier and it yeah. moves. I noticed, and this was early on in Ramitas run, the way he draws Craven and a lot of characters in places look very much like Ditko drawings. Yeah. Yeah. There are some hideous Craven faces. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But he's also such a like sublime designer. Oh, and yeah. that's that's really like it, it struck me while reading it. Um, the Deadpool stuff, like I love Joe Kelly. Um, I thought his JLA run was cool. Yeah, with uh, Doug Monk. Um, Matt, what did you think about revisiting this? I loved it, and I'll tell you what. It, it like we had said before, it holds up. I think there's still a lot of really solid comedy in this issue. Uh, what an amazing artist Pete Woods has grown into. You look at his run on action 
from last year with Paul Cornell, yeah. the Luther arc. Oh, yeah, I've read gorgeous. that. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Was great. Oh, versus yeah. this. I think he's really refined it now, and it's really way more Chris Sprouse-y. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Chris Sprouse is a great comparison. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, this this holds up. Uh, also, Amazing Spider-Man 47, and like Michael said, I it is insane, and it is a weird time capsule, but you really reading it, you get this sense of what Marvel in the 60s was like. So and I love I love it feels it still feels exciting fresh new for all of the fun that we had with Stanley's dialogue and everything there's a there's a certain confidence that goes along with it number 1 and number 2 there's a lot of energy in this book yeah. even if it's crazy energy there is a lot of energy in amazing spider-man which yeah. i think is impressive considering spider-man himself kind of takes a back seat in the issue. Yeah, he's not really in it that much. A lot of the things I think is so compelling about the issue is, like, the party and Flash Thompson, you know, his, like, ambiguity about, like, how him and Peter used to be enemies and yeah. now they kind of respect each other. Yeah. Like, they were dealing with... I mean, Stanley, like... He Marvel got it. took over for a reason. Yeah. Because... He was telling stories that you couldn't get anywhere else. All the stuff about Peter Parker literally saying, she threw herself at me and now, like, I can't get her back. Like, all his inner monologue is so depressing and so exactly how uh, everyone's inner monologue is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the, yeah. And I, as soon as he puts on that costume, he's hilarious. Yeah. <sighs> good stuff, man. Man, yeah. It's good. Thank you guys for reading it uh, and indulging. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Michael, do you have anything that uh, you want to plug? Any Anything you have coming up? Uh, well, I am on the UCB mod team, The Prom, as has been mentioned. Yes, um, when's so your next show? Our next show will be the second Monday of October. Okay. Which I believe is the 8th. Yeah. Yeah, probably. That's that right. That's correct. Um, it checks out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's. I'm right in the thick of National Sketch Writing Month right mm. now. I've been writing a sketch a day, every day in September. Uh, I'm using it to possibly uh, create a follow-up one-man show, albeit not about Superman. This ah! Oh, I was going to say, is it going to be So I Like Superman 2? Oh my god. The Richard Donner cut? <laughs> I was thinking about doing So I Like Superman 2, where I did a one-man show that was interrupted by three villains, and then two-thirds of the way through, the director was replaced. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was maybe a little inside baseball, but... Yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Chris Kelly directed the first two-thirds of this, <laughs> and then... <laughs> Richard Lester came in. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get Richard Lester to actually exactly. direct. <laughs> well, yeah, go check out. The Prom is a great team. Yeah. Uh, Michael's hilarious. And you can catch Michael on on your TV right now in the Haints commercial as the gr- put-upon grill master. Grill master. <laughs> uh, yeah, were you on an episode of 30 Rock? Uh, yes, sir, I was. Yeah, uh, and that was, what, two seasons ago? Uh, this was, it was just this past season. It was, it was this, this past season. It was the second episode of season six. People are idiots too. Yeah. Or idiots are people too. Yeah. Yep. That's it. <laughs> Great episode. You can check out uh, us at mattandbrettlovecomics.com where you can chill out, just comment, have a good time, listen to our old episodes. They are all evergreen, so you might want to check out uh, Daily Show writer Jubin Parang talking about Rob Liefeld's second X-Force miniseries. Wow. Yes. Uh, Rolling Stone contributor Hallie Kiefer talking about Peter David's Incredible Hulk run. 
Uh, we have Ryan Stegman oh. talking about the Death Ray. Yeah, I got Kelly Sue DeConnick talking about Planetary. Late Night with Jimmy Fallon writer uh, Benjamin Apple talking about The Goon. Yes. A uh, lot of great stuff, guys. Yeah. Go listen to it. You can you can check out our episode from two weeks ago with Kelly Hudson and Alan Starzynski, who were uh, on Comic Book Men. Yeah, the AMC Treasure. <laughs> uh, and you can yeah you can hear if you haven't gone back and listened to all the behind the scenes stuff they revealed go on and check it out yeah uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Brett White and you can read my comic book resources column in your face jam at comicbookresources.com uh, you can catch me on Twitter slash the Matt Little Facebook slash the Matt Little uh, lefthandedradio.com and uh, our next sequel machine show will be October the 4th at 11 p.m. at yes. UCB East. Uh, the next show will be Ninth Mare on Elm Street. Uh, diversion from the comic book blockbusters, but still uh, going to be crazy just the same. Halloween month is upon us. Halloween in month. Like, in like 20 days. I'll be writing a page of that as well. You yeah. will be. Very excited to see what you come up with on that. Uh, the script is already crazy. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's turning out it's turning out really well. So check that out next month. But for now, uh, thank you so much to our guest Michael Hartney. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Uh, Till next week, guys. Please uh, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Let us know if there are any stories you want us to check out, and we will check them out. So until next time, this is Matt. This is Brett. And we love comics. <laughs> we did it the right way. Holla, your boy. What? what? Yeah.